All right, so thank you, Angela. First of all, uh, Happy Chinese New Year's. I changed, I'm using a virtual background for the first time. I just did an event uh, for Global LT, which is a cross-cultural training company. It was all about Chinese New Year's. So I got Chinese New Year's on my brain. So I need to shift gears now. We're going to talk about doing business in China and understanding how to communicate more effectively with Chinese people. Now, I see a lot of, now give me a thumbs up if you can see the slides. Everybody can see the slides? Good. So, all right. So today, first of all, how many people, if, raise your hand if you don't have a copy of my book, The Chinese Honeymoon Period. Raise your hand if you don't have a copy. All right. Ben doesn't have a copy. Michael Toothman doesn't have a copy. Aaron doesn't have a copy. Okay. So the good news is, Everybody gets a free copy if you don't already have a copy. And the things that we're talking about in these events correspond with chapters in a book, the Chinese honeymoon period, that I think are key Chinese cultural concepts that will help you in your journey into China. So the reason that we're all here today is to solve one fundamental problem that we all have as foreigners who want to develop better relationships or communicate more effectively with people in China. One side says, So all of you Chinese speakers, you should understand that's not my meaning. And the other side says, But my meaning is. So what we're describing is two people who are not able to communicate even though they speak the same language. In Chinese, it's called or there's another expression called And everything that we're trying to do in these programs, in the book, in the course, which we're all going to go through together, Solving China's Unknown Unknowns, is we want to change our patterns of communications with our Chinese counterparts. And we want to prevent circular conversations. This is the fundamental thing that we want to solve with the program, with the book, and with these meetups. All right, very quickly, this is the agenda. We're going to all do self-introductions, or at least the people who want to do a self-introduction can do a self-introduction. We're going to do a deep immersion into Chapter 4, which talks about trust and something that I call truth default. We're going to get into the upcoming book that I'm writing called Exactly What to Say in China, we started talking about it a little bit last week where we talked about level one communications. Today, we're going to talk about level two. But if you miss level zero and level one, don't worry about it. We're going to review it really quickly. And then, of course, we'll do Q&A. We'll talk about the offers to the people who are on this call. What are the opportunities that we're offering also and all the gifts that we're going to be giving the attendees. All right. So first of all, Gratitude for being on this call in your evening hour. So, it's part of my thanks, especially for the new people. You all get a free copy of the Chinese honeymoon period. So, when, we, when you attend the next event, you will hopefully have read chapter five before the next event. Alina, who is the marketing manager, she's going to give you more details on how to get the free ebook. I'm also offering opportunities to be an affiliate partner for my online program. So this is an online program. The full program, Solving China's Unknown Unknowns, actually sells for $2,000. As an affiliate, 
you can help promote the course and earn 50% revenue on all sales for a lifetime. All right. Angela will provide more details about that as my partner because everybody who wants to be an affiliate, we will all go through the program together and then we will all provide suggestions to improve the program before we relaunch it later this year. And finally, in my thanks for all of you that are here, exactly what to say in China, my next book, I'm opening up for anyone who's interested to be a contributor or even a co-author. So stay till the end. I will give details on how you can get your name as a co-author on my next book, Exactly What to Say in China. All right. So this is the warm up. Normally we skip this because everybody's seen these slides, but we got a couple new people on the call. So we're going to go through this really quickly. Warm up. Okay. Lie. So the way I like to think about or describe Chinese introduction rituals in Chinese, it's I like to think of it as a warm up. It's a proverbial warm up. It's a literal warm up. It's the way that your communications, your interaction, your development of guanxi is the way that it all begins. Okay. Every meeting Every engagement begins with a proverbial warm-up. So the question is, what is it and why do we have it? Now, a lot of you who've been uh, doing business in China for a long time, you know about introducing yourself. But the question is, do you understand how changing the way you introduce yourself can actually set your relationship off on an entirely new trajectory. So assuming that everybody here speaks a little Chinese, uh, some of the things that we're going to do is we highlight the words of the things we want to achieve in Chinese. So what are we trying to achieve during the warm-up period? We're trying to achieve understand how the other side or the other people think. That's pretty simple. Develop our relationships. Understand each other, which is an opportunity to start exchanging goodwill and reciprocity, which is the foundation for deepening guanxi, which means we're all in the same boat. Whatever you're willing to do for our relationship, I would be willing to do it too. Again, we're going through this really quickly because some of you have already seen it many times before. Uh, but some of you are hearing it for the first time. Don't worry. Everything is in the book that you will soon be getting. All right. So what I've created here is a scorecard for understanding. Oh, before I go through the scorecard, uh, let me go through the scorecard and then we'll do our self-introduction. So these are the things that we want to pay attention to during our We want to demonstrate what are the relevant credentials. So Chinese people, so they really care about what are your qualifications? What are your credentials? Michael Toothman is a professor at University of Riverside. Therefore, when he introduces himself, that will give him instant credibility because Chinese people value education. Insights into your interests and hobbies. This is a finding a way to deepen Guanxi connection. Be interesting, likable, funny, pretty standard stuff. This is something that a lot of people kind of avoid because they maybe think it's too personal, but it's talking about your native place or your hometown. 
when Chinese people meet each other for the first time, the first question they ask is, Angela, what is the first question Chinese people ask when they meet each other for the first time? That's right. 你来自哪里? Or 你哪里人? Basically, everybody in China, when they meet each other the first time, they want to know what is your hometown so they can see if there's a guanxi connection that is already there to start deepening. All right? They always care. As you know, Chinese people are a lot more personal. They care about your status. They care about your marriage. They care about your family. Uh, they care if you're single. Um, so if you're willing to go down that track and share personal information, you will, it will be very, very endearing to the new people that you will meet in China during your Chinese introductions. Now, this is a new slide uh, from last time that I wanted to add because we're going to role play Chinese introductions after this slide. And the, it, these are all building blocks. So as you tend, attend more of these meetups, you'll start to understand how all the pieces fit together. But warm-up scenarios, there are many different warm-up scenarios. So in the past, we would just set up what is the scenario, who you're talking to, what is your main objective. So some of the scenarios are formal. So if you're a paratrooper manager, does anybody know how to say paratrooper manager in Chinese? Michael, you're Chinese, right? Do you know how to say paratrooper manager? Okay, so this, so if you're an American or you're a foreigner, when you go to China and you are a manager and you have local employees, you are a paratrooper manager. Paratrooper manager comes with a lot of risks and a lot of challenges, but when you are introduced, it's very formal because you are the quote-unquote new manager or new boss. In Chinese, Angela, you found it. That's right, Kong Jiang Bu Dui. All right. So broadcast introductions is what you're, what all you all can do if you want. You can introduce yourself to this entire meetup group. This, the example would be for an event or a presentation. That's a broadcast introduction. All right. You can do ceremonial introductions when you kick off a new business and you're introducing people who are part of the new business. Ceremonial introductions. Reintroductions. So if anybody ever changes positions within an organization, you get promoted, then you are reintroduced because there's a new hierarchical arrangement. And if you're familiar with China business culture at all, which I'm sure all of you are, you know how important the hierarchy actually is. And of course, for guanxi, referrals, and for connections, uh, it's all different. Okay, so I'm going to Alrighty. stop and the we're share We're going to try screen. to go through some of this really quickly. We got a lot of material and a lot of opportunities for everybody to talk. All right, so uh, we just went through the scenarios. As everybody knows, this is all based on chapters of this book, The Chinese Honeymoon Period. It has 10 chapters. Uh, Alina will give everybody a copy who doesn't have a copy, and each chapter is a different Chinese cultural concept that will help you build the foundation for understanding how Chinese people think, why they behave the way they do, and how to develop more constructive cooperation with them. All right. So again, we're going through a lot of this really quickly. It's in the book. Um, the first time we went through it, we did one slide at a time. We had a chance for everybody to help translate these. But for the sake of time, 
we're trying to imagine whenever we're frustrated or we're doing business with Chinese people or, or, or we're having these circular conversations, what are we experiencing psychologically when we're communicating across these cultural differences? All right. And how do we counter their negative effects? Because anything that affects you psychologically or emotionally will have an unintended negative effect, which means you might be frustrated, you may express some anger, your attitude may be poor, whatever it is, it will contribute to a deteriorating relationship when it doesn't have to be that way. And my answer to that question is, is Chinese people are consciously and subconsciously using art of war tactics. So when we're engaged with business in China, we're negotiating, we're leading our local employees, just imagine that it's a game. So that's why we call playing it the China game inside the Chinese arena. Imagine they're using art of war tactics to frustrate you. And your goal is to not get frustrated, to prevent your心理 Daji, all right? And ultimately, we want to prevent the or which is circular conversations where people are can't communicate, can't seem to understand each other and get really frustrated, get really angry. As a foreigner in China myself, I had a lot of foreign colleagues from all over the world that would always c- complain about local Chinese staff and this is where I started to develop an ability to help explain their behavior in the proper cultural context. This is the book in a visual infographic. Uh, this is the roadmap to more constructive communication patterns in China. So you can see at the center of that is the art of war. Okay, subconscious tactical behaviors. It's reflected in their attitude. Okay, and then what you want to do is you want to unlock different aspects of understanding them, giving face, understanding how they operate, which is guanxi, what they consider, which is li yi, what they feel, which is wei chu, all right? And then you have to develop self-awareness, cultural awareness, situational awareness, and understanding how to give people a tai jie xia, which is allowing people to preserve face. And the things that we can control are mindset, attitude, and approach. Okay. So instead of complaining about Chinese behavior and the things that your Chinese employees do that frustrate you, we're going to figure out how we can make adjustments to our attitude, mindset, and approach to actually influence their behavior to be more conducive to what you actually want. Knowing how to speak Chinese doesn't mean you know what to say in Chinese. All right. Very, very quickly, do we have any questions up till here? If we don't have any questions, I'm going to go straight into chapter four, which is trust or xin ren. Now, when I talk about trust, if I just talk about trust by itself, I don't think it's quite enough. There's another concept called truth default, which might be translated into xin ren du. And this was inspired by something that I was reading. Uh, it's a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Talking to Strangers. Okay? And it basically explains um, how most people talk to strangers. But if you read these two books, it's all based on a theory uh, by Timothy Levine, who wrote this book called Duped. 
And it's basically the, the, it's a theory of lying and deception. And it talks about why are we, and in this case, for talking to strangers and for duped, why are we so easily deceived? Okay. And the truth default theory is, is because we tend to trust or we tend to believe that most people are mostly honest most of the time. That is truth default. And societies basically couldn't operate if we were skeptical of everyone. So we've developed in our Western society a truth default. We believe most people are mostly honest most of the time. We don't go around assuming everybody is out to get us or out to trick us or out to steal our money. We don't make that assumption as Americans. All right. So the definition, and if you start reading the book, you'll see that every chapter has a practical definition. It's not the, you know, it's not the definition that you're going to get in your Chinese English dictionary or translator. The practical definition of trust is xinren, is trust in another person based on the level of guanxi and the likelihood of reciprocating favors. All right, I'm going to go through some of this really quickly. Uh, level of guanxi is, oops, let's see. Okay, so trust in the level of guanxi, kaopu, ke kao. All right, that, will, that is one of the things that describes your level of guanxi. If you have deep guanxi, 我会觉得你很靠谱,你很可靠. That means I can rely on you. In Chinese, relying on somebody is being able to trust someone, and, we're, and you're going to see how that in itself is a cultural dichotomy. All right, 是什么关系? What is the relationship? What do we mean by reciprocating favors? We mean 回馈. To repay somebody who's given you something. Bangmang, to give help or support to somebody who needs it. Now, if you're not a relative or a family member, when you help someone, bang bang mang or bang mang, it's based on the level of guanxi. Level of guanxi translates into how Chinese people perceive trust, which is different. All right? How do we? Support someone, 支持. How do we endorse someone, 赞同. All right? So true default is a tendency to believe people are mostly honest most of the time. So Westerners default to truth. We believe most people are mostly honest most of the time. Chinese people tend to default towards skepticism if you use the same framework. Chinese people trust Chinese strangers even less than they trust Western strangers. Okay, Chinese people, if there's no guanxi, they don't trust each other at all. They default to skepticism. That's the environment in which they were raised. That's what they've been trained, to be skeptical and to only trust people after you have deepened guanxi. And once you understand this dynamic about Chinese culture, which is chapter four, then you'll much more appreciate all of the rituals and all of the guanxi building activities and all of the reciprocity that Chinese people go through in order to try to deepen their trust with you. Now, this is directly from the book, all right? Xingren, or is trust in another person based on the likelihood of reciprocating favors. 
based on the Guanxi level and likelihood it should be reciprocating favors. While truth default is the tendency to believe strangers are mostly honest most of the time. All right, so, so this, since this is in the book, I'm just, I'm just going to skip through this for the sake of time. Basically, what we've done here is we've broken down key words in the definition. All right, I want to go ahead and get to this. Trust is a cultural dichotomy. And what do we mean by that? Westerners tend to trust those they perceive as honest, generous, and hardworking. Chinese people tend to trust those who they perceive will reciprocate favors, share connections, and give inside information. Now we're going to test your Chinese. I think Aaron's Chinese is good enough for this, so I'm going to call on Aaron for this little exercise. What is the Chinese translation for inside information? <laughs> All right, Robert, do you know the tra Chinese translation for inside information? All right, Giza, do you know? Angela, did you find it in the book? That's right, Nebu Xiaoxi. All right, good job, Angela. All right, so in other words, Chinese people tend to default to skepticism towards strangers, even if they're Chinese, but they also tend to believe Westerners are more honest and often perceive them as naive. All right, so naive is All right, so as people who want to do business in China, perception management is one of the keys, all right? And the question is, once you know this tendency about Chinese thinking, how can it be used to an advantage in gaining trust and deepening guanxi? And how can this insight that I am giving you now that you're going to acquire through this book, how can it be used to influence the behavior of your counterparts in China? So honesty, again, this is all in the book, sometimes works against deepening guanxi in Chinese culture. So a lot of things that work in China are actually counterintuitive to our Western brains because Chinese culture definitely involves double standards. All right, so double standards are kind of frowned upon in the West. You know, we don't want to have a favorite child if we have multiple children. We want to treat them all equally because one of them will feel bad. In China, double standards is the norm because how you treat somebody is based on the level of guanxi, and if the level of guanxi is different, the way you respond and the way you treat people is different, all right? And there's, a, of course, a lot of dubious activities in the gray areas within China. So we talked about yin, yang, gray areas in chapter three. You know, when you read it, you'll kind of understand what we're talking about. Uh, double standards, again, I'm not going to test everybody on every translation. Suangzhou. Is double standards. Okay? These are the exercises at the end of chapter four. Again, we're not going to go over these now, uh, but I just wanted to give everybody an overview of truth, default, 
and its application to trust and understanding how trust is different in Western culture or American culture and in Chinese culture. It's completely different.